guys, I'm Richard Fitzgerald. This is Dubai Works, where we interview the business leaders making a difference in this great city. That business with scalability was very interesting to me. I like building something that has legacy. This episode of Dubai Works is sponsored by Petra Insurance, a groundbreaking player in the UAE insurance market. With more than 55 years of experience in the industry, Petra Insurance offers a range of products to individuals and companies, providing quick solutions and the advantage of paying in installments. They also recognize the importance of transparency and they make it a point to assure trust in their policies. You can get in contact with them directly by visiting insurewithpetra.com. So last week we talked to someone in the F&B industry and typical of Dubai Works, we're going to jump right into a deep dive into a different uh, sector today. It's all about fintech and particularly uh, a, a kind of a granular space of fintech, which is financing or a new term of, uh, I've learned uh, in financing is factoring of how to collect a type of receivables. Uh, Ankit is joining us from Modify. Uh, they are a, a fast growth uh, fintech company and it's a really interesting conversation. We jump all over the place. We go in, into everything from governance to uh, crypto to uh, AI. We talk about all the different aspects and also the difference in the countries that he looks after as well. Um, so enjoy the conversation. Good morning and welcome back to another episode of Dubai Works Business Podcast. This week we're joined with Ankit Goel, the Middle East uh, Regional Head of Modify. They are a trade, finance and fintech company offering solutions uh, for companies who need to succeed and grow in that space. Uh, they have multiple offices globally and Modify expanded its footprints last year to establish its presence in the UAE. So today we're going to be talking about what their offering is and why Dubai, uh, and I look at the future as well. Good morning, Anke. Good morning, Richard. And happy Diwali. Thank you so much, Richard. Thanks for coming in. We're celebrating Diwali today in the office, so it's nice to have someone who's celebrating on the show as well. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me on the show. And thanks for coming in. So, yeah, so you, can you explain a little bit more about the company and your mm -hmm. role as well, please? Sure. Uh, happy to do that, uh, Richard. Modify is an abbreviation of uh, modern digital finance. That's okay. how the name comes into play. We are a German headquartered uh, trade finance and fintech company. We are funded by large organizations such as Musk Growth, which is an arm of Musk uh, containers. I'm uh, sure okay. you've seen containers everywhere. Yeah. And also players like uh, Rocket Internet, who started Soup.com in the Middle East, yeah, which was then later on yeah. to uh, Amazon. Uh, everybody knows about it. Uh, so what we do is uh, we try to help SMEs uh, to manage their finance and also the trade globally. So what it means is uh, we provide them with the solutions and a platform which helps them and enable them to grow the business globally and also help them to leverage and manage their working capital better. Okay, interesting. So what was that? Modern something finance? Modern digital, digital finance. finance. Okay, yeah. well, Modify. There's a podcast by Kevin Rose called MoFi, which is modern finance, but okay. this is modern digital finance. Uh -huh. Brilliant. Uh, and your role exactly, Anke? So I'm the regional head of the company, which I manage basically Middle East, India, Bangladesh, and Pakistan region. Okay. Uh, so as I said, it's a German company, have offices around the world. Okay. So about a year back, uh, Modify decided to have an office in the region as well, because it's one of the very important region globally. Yeah. So when you do trade and finance, of course, you cannot leave Middle East out of it. Right? And, and had you been with the company before in another region to set up here, or were you new to the business? I was working in other organizations 
organization, which is larger organization as Modify, but more of paper-driven organization. So that's where Modify said, hey, look, uh, understand what business is, you know, so that's the reason we decided to get into the region here. Okay. But globally, we are in uh, the space for about three years. So started in Germany, then we uh, started in India, then gradually growing into different markets. Okay. So when when you said it did a payment, focus on payments, so what what is the full offering of Modify? And sure. Three years. If it only set up three years ago, that means it's quite at the you know at the advanced level of the latest trends in mm-hmm. in fintech. Because obviously fintech has gone through different stages. Absolutely. So what we do is uh, we basically provide the financing and the entire solutions around the trade. Yeah. So if I were to just give you some example, let's say there's an SME company uh, selling a bottle of water to let's say Lulu as an example, right? Yeah. Lulu says, look, my payment terms are thirty days, sixty days, or even ninety days. So what we do is we enable these SME companies to do this trade. Mm. So we pay to the SME company the day they deliver it to Lulu mm. and on the due date we collect the money from Lulu. Okay. So we do it on a non-recourse basis. This means uh, we do not take any collaterals from the SME companies. So it helps them really to work and compete against the larger player. Okay. Explain collaterals. You don't take any... Any plant, machinery, building... Okay. House, arms and legs. You know, we don't okay. take anything from that. Okay, fair enough. So it's a form of uh, it's a form of lending. Then it is indeed a form of lending. And the you know I, I know of uh, so I know of types of companies who help uh, SMEs uh, when they have clients who owe the money or they like find invoice financing and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is more specifically around uh, orders, is it? Uh, not really. So, so there's a technical difference between invoice financing and factoring. The word technical word we use is factoring. factoring. Okay. So maybe let's take as an example, right? Let's say you go, you supply to, uh, let's say Zara as an example now, and you, you say, look, I supplied a million dollar worth of goods to Zara. Now I'm waiting for the payment, right? Yeah. So if you go to a conventional bank and say, look, I'm waiting for the money. Can you pay the money to me? Bank will look at your balance sheet and see whether it's worth giving money to you or not, right? Versus when you come to companies like us, we don't look at your balance sheet, we look at your customer's balance sheet, and we take risk on that, which is a game changer, right? From from your perspective as well. Second key difference is, when you work with a conventional bank, bank says, look, I'm giving you the money, but in return, I need a security from you, right? What if you don't pay me? So I need a collateral, which could be house, it could be plant, machinery, stock, and all of that, right? We don't take anything of that sort. We just take a piece of paper, which is an invoice raised on Zara, Mm. right? Third key difference is when, God forbid, something goes wrong with your buyer, bank says, I don't care. I give the money to you. I need the money back from you. Mm. Versus in our case, we work with our insurance partner. We go to them and cover your risk as well. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. Well explained. Thank you. But it is another area. It is another layer. Uh, and, you know, it's great that there are other options for SMEs, mm-hmm. uh, which is good. And we'll go into it a bit more. So how do you how do you fund that business? Do you Are you licensed as a bank? Do you need capital? And you, you mentioned kind of big backers there as well. But do you need that capital to fund this business? Absolutely. So we do need uh, lots of capitals to fund uh, because we have plat- we so far we have deployed maybe about half a billion dollar funding already, mm. and we expect in next one year or so we will reach about a billion dollar funding in a year. Mm. So we are funded by large players as I already mentioned, and in fact very recently about three months back, two months back, 
we had another round series b hmm. and uh, at our, we were valued at about 120 million euros wow. and we raised about 25 million uh, euros uh, very recently yeah and we are also then funded by banks large banks like of silicon valley bank yeah as no, no, a debt yeah. uh, platform for us yeah. yeah interesting so just explain a little bit uh, further on uh, the type of company so supplying to azara or lulu uh is more in the sort of commercial retail space mm-hmm. um does this work for services and other industries as well absolutely we are industry agnostics uh, so we work across industries some of the large industries are textile like garments uh, yeah. even uh you know we call it uh, even handicrafts or even home textile we also work a lot in bunkering industry mm. that's one of the key industries for us and we do work in services industry as well okay. maybe i'll give you a couple of examples of services industry let's say there is a forwarder who moves the goods for let's say apparel group as an example yeah. uh, apparel group says look keep moving the goods for me i'm uh, you know raise an invoice to me i'll pay you after 60 days or 90 days later but the forwarder needs to keep paying to the shipping line right yeah, or the airline so we manage that working capital again for him okay or could be another one let's say some somebody is managing travel for let's say ibm now uh, ibm says hey keep booking tickets for me and i'll pay you after 90 days right mm. uh, so again he needs to keep paying to the airlines to book the tickets mm. uh, but there is a 90 day gap in there right okay so we fill that gap as well okay interesting but services in terms of say uh services in terms of marketing or our media services and and digital development work do you do you help with that so what we do is uh, we finance the receivable per se so it could yeah. be anything as long as there is an invoice to the right buyer yeah so irrespective whether it is a digital service or is it a goods or whatever product it is you know okay. we kind of kind of uh, package something around it yeah i know you quite eloquently explained the difference between invoice financing and and factoring but uh one of the uh things that i found with invoice financing is it's almost not fast enough mm-hmm. how do you overcome that when you know uh there's if you have multiple multiple invoices mm-hmm. and uh you know they've different dates on them they've different deadlines they mightn't qualify for the right amount mm-hmm. um you might you know you might, it might works in theory when there's a, a one invoice with a large figure on it mm-hmm. but if you've got 100 small invoices sure. with tiny figures yeah. how do you put them all together and, and get that capital yeah, very good point uh, richard so we are a very uh, technical technology based finance company so we have a very uh, good state of the art platform where irrespective of the invoice amount it could be $1000 or it could be even $5 million so it works like this pretty much you know okay. so you just upload the invoice goes to the buyer buyer literally clicks the button and approves it and gets funded yeah well with the type of companies you mentioned well more more rocket internet rather than i wouldn't have assumed mersk would be in this space but i and the name i assume that it would be digital enabled um but so have you got a proprietary dashboard that people would go on and you can approve the invoices and things absolutely. like that absolutely yeah okay. so we as i said we got a very state of the art platform so once we sign up with the seller so from end to end it takes only about 7 to 10 days yeah. for us to onboard the supplier and start funding them okay. versus to even go to a bank to open a bank account we all know how long does it take right yeah exactly so for us to from end to end it takes only about week to 10 days for us to start funding okay and once it's set up it takes literally 24 hours to submit the invoice and get funded okay interesting and how did modify other than bringing Uh, someone uh, with experience on board like yourself how did they approach entering this market you mentioned the different countries that they see in this market um how did they approach kind of setting up in dubai sure 
So we also into the process to partner with some large uh, B2B market players. Uh, mm. So I, at this stage, I can't name them, but those are large market players. Some of them are even started by the government, UAE government initiatives as well. And their mandate is also to help uh, SMEs and import and export. Uh, so they provide the marketplace and we are into the process to support them in terms of financing. Yeah. Before yeah. we go, uh, interesting. So, so you, you know, that's one of the ways that you set up, but did, but how did you kind of decide, hey, for this region, I'm going to have my HQ in Dubai and where did you go about licensing your business? Sure. So this is a space uh, we are, uh, from licensing perspective, we are headquartered in Netherlands. We are a Dutch company, so there's no specific license it's a required. Branch. It's a branch, right? Yeah, so, okay. and in UAE, we are DED license company, and we got a license for forfeiting. Okay. Yeah. So, from this, what does forfeiting mean? So, yeah. so, same. It's more another name for a factoring, basically. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but it's kind of under a financial type regulation. That's right. So it's more of a lending again. You know, yeah, there are different technical words around it. Yeah, but <laughs> again, uh, to simplify, it's a lending process. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Because, you know, that's really interesting around fintech that how to regulate it and what, where do things sit and where do companies sit yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, how do you view the, the sort of the fintech uh, uh, industry? How do you kind of break it down? Do you think that some of these providers are, you know, um, doing something tr truly disruptive or just are also kind of, you know, uh, working in a, uh, in a, you know, part of the regular finance industry. Sure. I think it's a very interesting space, uh, especially during pandemic. We all learned that, you know, the paper-driven approach does not really work anymore. So anybody who is around fintech or anything around digital really makes life easy for everyone in the process. In fact, if I take a step back, we started with the only financing the trade. And uh, then we learned in the process only financing is very important part of the comp for an organization, but they need more than that. So, you know, so we provide even more solutions to them. Yeah. Things like where is your container at this point of time, right? So things like Suez exactly. Canal during Suez Canal <laughs> issues. So nobody knows where the containers are, right? Yeah. So we already have a on our platform, uh, even the exporter and importer, they can even track where the shipment is. Okay. So we are going not only finance, even managing the trade for them. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So, so that's one of the things that you're doing. You're focusing on. You're not. You're focusing on the factoring part, but you're trying to provide more visibility. Absolutely. And and that makes the platform more sticky as well, so Absolutely. people can. Yeah. Yeah. So we don't want to restrict ourselves only to the finance angle, which is one of the very important uh, piece for us. But we are uh, looking at always more value addition uh, for the exporter, which help them to grow and compete against the larger players. Yeah. yeah. Okay, um, talking a little bit about competitors uh, in terms of, you know, I know there's a few companies, I think one of them listed in the UK funding mm -hmm. circle or, or something, and there's Beehive here. Mm -hmm. uh, they offer a different type of, their, their first product is a different type. It's mm -hmm. mainly for SMEs for almost uh, crowdsource funding. Mm -hmm. and, then, and then they offer additional things like invoice uh, finance as well. How do you... I, you know, everyone will say I don't have competitors or we're doing our own thing, but how do you view that space? I think competition is healthy as well because it's an industry where we need to educate people also. But because otherwise they keep looking at, hey, look, my bank provides me, why do I need you? Hmm. Right. So bank do provide you services and financing, but they always need something around it, like collaterals, as I mentioned, or always look at your healthy balance sheet. Hmm. And we are a kind of an alternate to the bank and we kind of supplement the banks as hmm. well, right, in the process. So from my point of view, competition is healthy to have. and But when we talk about digital players, there are a couple of them, but 
they're fragmented you know so okay. we are really a truly digital global players yeah. Yeah. so i don't really think there is any other global digital player like us there are maybe larger player than us but they are more maybe industry specific or geography specific you know? okay interesting we have seen a lot of innovation especially in 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 dubai and abu dhabi in the middle east in fintech uh, with the onset of, of e-commerce, but there's been a lot of different types of startups offering yeah. different solutions, payment gateways, different types of financing. Um, you know, is obviously the digital revolution is here to stay, but do you think that it's a zero-sum game in fintech? That, that Will there be some consolidation and winners and losers? I think so, but I think it's still at a nascent stage. It is still, there's a lot that can be done in the fintech space. Okay. Yep. So it's given again pandemic situation. Everybody is looking at again different ways to automate everything. You know. So there's a lot of AI happening. Lots of things are happening on the fintech space. I think at some point of time there will be consolidation. But yeah, I think still there's a lot to do on the fintech space. Okay. And if there's consolidation, Anka, what way will the ball drop? Because we're seeing more digital banks. We're seeing lots of you know digital banks in in the Western world, but also. Uh, existing entities here are launching their own digital banks. Mm-hmm. But then on the other side, we're seeing uh, payment gateways entering into this space. And yeah. there's rumors that maybe Stripe will offer financing mm-hmm. and things like that. So wh- wh- where's your gut feeling of where, where things will go? Yeah, I think uh, we will learn as the, as it unfolds, right? Uh, but as, as I said, consolidation is going to happen. For example, we also acquired in the process already in about, when we started only three years back, there was a larger organization called Prima Dollar okay. based out of UK. So they were much uh, in existing much longer than us. So, yeah. But we acquired their business globally about six to nine months back. So okay. this is the way we are also consolidating and growing organically as well as inorganically. Interesting. Yeah. Fair enough. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> and now we'll take a break to hear from our sponsor. So when Augustus Media was starting our business in 2015, one of the things we obviously needed was insurance for employees. Back then it was only a couple of us, so it wasn't a big deal. But we came across Petra Insurance and we started using them. Almost seven years later, 30 employees in the UAE, we still use Petra Insurance. They are one of our core business partners. We have a direct relationship with them and anytime anything comes up, whether it's group insurance, whether it's individual, things are very quick to get back to us and we really feel they're a business partner for us and have helped us grow. And now we're back. Yeah, good. Um, so, you know, kind of backing up a little bit, like why do you think there is such a problem with, especially with access to debt in emerging markets? It might be an obvious answer when I put it like that, but why is there, uh, you know, to do with risk? But why uh, can SMEs in this region particularly there's so many profitable banks, there's mm-hmm. so many well-established financial institutions, yet there doesn't seem to be funding for startups, there doesn't seem to be funding for SMEs as opposed to other countries. Uh, so when you again go to a conventional bank, they are more interested to look at the larger organization, right? So when it is as an SME company, they don't really maybe having an collaterals to offer and banking revolves around the collaterals, they, they want to secure themselves. So that's one of the key reasons, you know, so why they're not able to leverage that requirement. And again, when it, is a, when it is a smaller organization, maybe they don't have enough paperwork around it. They're not very sophisticated, not enough platforms around it, you know, so that's why maybe it's a little bit more challenging for them mm. to be supported by banks. Yeah, that's yeah. when fintech or trade finance companies come into play and help them to grow. Okay. How do you compare, can you go through the markets that you look after mm-hmm. and are there any insights and differences in, in lending and appetite and regulation in each of the markets? 
Yep. So some of the markets, like for example, India is a very highly regulated market. It does not allow domestic financing, for example, which is an, not a domestic company. So what I mean is, let's say there's a company in India supplying to domestic company uh, within India. So we cannot finance that trade. If we want to finance that trade, we have to be regulated by the Reserve Bank of India. Okay. Versus UAE, it's more liberal in, in that aspect. So even a company like Modify, we can finance even the domestic trade because we are licensed here. Mm. Uh, but again, it makes a difference when it is a domestic versus international trade. So we specialize more on the international trades when goods are moving from one country to other. But again, depending from the geography to geography, we do in domestic as well. Okay. And the other countries, the other regions? So Bangladesh, again, so they are highly regulated. They also don't allow domestic. We do only exports from Bangladesh. And so is the case with Pakistan as well. Okay. So just sorry, explain that a little bit more. They don't. So unless your company modifies regulated in that country That's you right. can't provide financing to the domestic business. business so what i mean is let's you say you can only do it if they're exporting exporting goods. absolutely yeah. yeah okay yeah okay so you don't really have a business there so we do have a business but we are exporting. helping only yeah. exporters or importers yeah we also from a risk perspective as well you don't want to take a risk on a local markets also right yeah so we our business model is we help we pay to the exporter and we collect the money from the buyer on the due date. Yeah. So a typical deal is, let's say an exporter from Bangladesh as an example, exporting to somebody, let's say Walmart as an example, mm. right? So Walmart uh, says my payment on the 90 days or 120 days from the date of bill of trading. We pay to the exporter in Bangladesh and collect money from Walmart. On okay. The yeah. Okay. Interesting. So most of the so uh, that's what again one of the reasons why it's good to set up here. Absolutely. Okay. Because sense. from here we look at the global markets. Yeah. Uh, so which really gives us a kind of three sixty view from here. Yeah. Yeah. And what sort of what market dynamics need to be in place? Do they need to be well capitalized markets? Then do they need to have a lot of sort of startups, uh, venture uh, and SMEs already in place? Sure. From our perspective, we need a market which has lots of imports and exports yeah. rather than only startups. For Because as I said, you know, we finance the trade. Be, yeah. We need an economy, which is again, India is a classic example. Lots of trades happening all over the world. Pakistan, Bangladesh, UAE are again classic example where lots of goods are moving from one country to other. That's mm. what makes it interesting for us. Okay, interesting. We're talking about fintech, but we could go into so many other areas. When you when we're talking about imports and exports, there's obviously a, a big conversation happening post-pandemic around logistics and supply chains. And you mentioned containers earlier. Has that disrupted your business? Uh, to be honest, it's a positive situation for us because again, there's a lot of uh, disruption all over the world, as we all know that. So it creates a lot of anxiety as well to the exporter when will I get paid from the buyer you know so that's when they need it even more uh, they want to oh, yeah. make sure their finance is secured so uh, so that's the reason you know we kind of every quarter on quarter we are kind of doubling our business globally okay yeah uh, that's a high growth and obviously you're well funded as well so but you don't think the sort of delays the longer delays is an issue because uh, people need the cash. Of course. So if the orders are going in, people need the cash. Absolutely. So it, it really helps them, you know, even the situation as well. When they know there's a container issue, they know that a goods will reach late, but they don't really worry about the working capital because they already got paid by Modify. Yeah. So they really say, look, Mr. Buyer, fine. I'm happy. Even it takes a little bit longer. Payment terms are going from 60 to 90 days. We are happy because we can. We are supported by Modify, so we will continue supporting our customers. Interesting. Well. I'm going to put a CFO hat on for a second. Mm -hmm. What What's the determining factor for a business to decide on whether working capital 
you know, to take a hit on interest on that to generate versus trying to get a better balance sheet or trying to inject different types of capital into the business. Well, if, if, you, if you need cash flow, mm-hmm. there are different uh, ways to get it. Sure. So what, why would, uh, what's the sort of financial rationale for a business to go against existing orders? Sure. So there are a couple of reasons, uh, Richard. One is uh, when, uh, again, uh, uh, when I'm an SME company, I want to grow and I don't really have collaterals to offer. How do I grow, right? So that's the reason I, when I also wear my CFO hat. In fact, before I joined the trade finance industry, I was always acting as a CFO. So I really understand how CFOs look at it, what sort of what are their pain points and how I help them to grow the business, right? So also... Uh, when they work with the companies like Modify, which is a off-balance sheet item, right? So what it means is, let's say you work with a bank as a CFO, so you got receivable from your buyer and you got payables to your bank, right? Versus when you work with a trade finance company, we buy your receivable. That means it goes off your balance sheet. Yeah. So it also helps you to improve your balance sheet immediately. Okay. And it also takes the risk off your balance sheet. You know. Yeah. So that means in case goes something goes wrong with the buyer, so that's not your risk. We don't come back to you. Okay. Oh, interesting. Okay. Uh, but is it not good to have receivables on the balance sheet? So it's good to have receivable, but not too good to have payables as well, right? Yeah, so enough. when you have receivable and payable, so it doesn't really help you, right? Yeah. So but when we work, we buy your receivable, you don't have receivable and no payables. Okay. So you only have bank, yeah. bank balance. Yeah. That helps, right? Okay. Thanks for the lesson. <laughs> <laughs> I hope my CFO or my finance director is listening. But um, yeah, so it's just it's just a reason I ask is because you know, although SMEs struggle with cash flow, they also struggle with margin. Absolutely. And it's kind of a, a trade-off, right? It, you, can, you can get better cash flow, but you're also hurting your margins. True. Yeah, yeah true. But uh, again, if you are to grow, you need to continue serving the market, right? Yeah. You can't say, if there's a customer, let's say anybody who says, look, I'm, I'm increasing my payment terms from 30 to 60 days or 90 days. You can't say, look, I can't serve you anymore, right? Yeah, true. You still need to serve them, but... If you don't have cash, you can't serve them, right? Mm. So that's the reason, you know, when you have access to cash, you say, Mr. Buyer, fine, I'll support you. I need maybe a little bit extra pricing. Maybe buyer also also understand and helps you on that as well. Yeah, interesting. Do you, uh, do you think the the ability to pay or the payment terms differs in the markets that you look after? Yep. So it in generally, uh, in general, it's more or less same. Uh, so if you go to US, they say, look, there's no LC concept. They look at open account payment terms, they say, look, uh, just ship it to me, I'll pay you after 30, 60, 90, or even 120 days, Europe is still somehow, sometime they issue LCs, but usually not a day, nowadays. LCs? Letter of credit. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's relatively secure, but it's a lot of paper-driven, uh, again, product, where you need to submit lots of documents. It's pretty extensive in terms of documentation hmm. so in general yeah so more or less it's same ranging about 30 to 90 days payment terms and here here as well yeah. okay okay but with with sort of um digital payment uh gateways and invoicing abilities with different software um you know a lot of people send links now on whatsapp and bots and things like that is is there a shift around payments are we getting kind of upfront and immediate payments more yeah i think it depends on the scale what scale are we talking about yeah. if you are talking about smaller numbers yes i think it's happening but in terms of large so you still go through the banking channels and uh, yeah. go through the banks yeah and you go through the procurement departments and the accounts teams for the bigger right. companies yeah. and they and it's their Obviously, it's better for them to delay the payments. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which is where you come in. Um, yeah. So, some you know, moving on to another topic. Uh, 
What about governance, uh, especially in emerging markets? And gov- a lot of governance is to do with, uh, it, it comes down to bad debt and yeah. things like that mm-hmm. and, and, and almost bad governance, malpractice. It's a big topic of conversation. It's the G in, in ESG. Yeah. Um, what's your sort of view on governance in, in, in the markets that you look after? Sure. Again, it's a very important point, uh, Chris, especially during pandemic. Uh, so lots of buyers have also gone bankrupt, right? So lots of exporters earlier were not sure how do they manage the risk, what sort of a governance they look at. Mm. But when we work together, we also provide them with a credit insurance product as well, along with our financing product. So we couple along with that. So it really helps them also to choose which customer they should work with and which customer they should not work with. Mm. So we provide them access to all that important information as well. Mm. So what it means is, let's say you want to work with a customer, I will provide you all the relevant information, whether it's the right customer for you or not, whether they pay the money on time or not, whether they have the healthy balance sheet or not. Okay. So it really helps you to take the informed decision whether you want to work with that customer or okay, not. Okay, so you do background check on the business. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, but so that's that's kind of a traditional approach, and it's a good mm-hmm. approach, and it, it, uh, it you know mitigates risks in many levels. But uh, there have been some business stories in in this region, mm-hmm. right? Um, with large organizations like Arab Tech liquidating. We've yeah. had their Braj issue. We've had uh, I don't want to name them all, yeah. but there's a few. There's not loads, but the NMC, which had sure. a big turnaround mm-hmm. recently. In the, in the, they're making profits again. But so do, do you think that, uh, you know, people trading with businesses here, mm-hmm. um, in, in this region think that there's sort of not good governance? I don't think so. I think it is changing over a period of time. Earlier, it used to be lack of information, transparency mm. issues. But I think over a period of time, we see a lot of transparency, a lot of information around it. In fact, maybe just to kind of, uh, uh, substantiate with the, my business per se as well when we used to go to the buyer saying Mr. Buyer we work with your supplier and you need to pay payment to modify on the due date initially they were hesitant to understand what it means they say look no we work with the supplier we will pay to them but over a period of time I see that changing and they're happy to kind of adapt to this new system as well okay so we see a transition happening in that uh, on that front as well okay uh, and why why is how is that happening? Because again, they as a buyer also need longer payment terms, right? So earlier they were sub- providing, let's say, 60 days payment terms. Now they said, look, I need 120 day payment term to the seller. Okay. Right? Seller said, look, if you want 120 days payment term, I want to kind of be supported by Modify. So I want you to pay to Modify. Then they are happy to understand what is this new model? How could Modify help them? So we also work with buyer-led financing as well. Sometimes buyers approach us mm. saying, look, uh, we want to change our payment on some 60 to even 90 days or 120 days. Could you help us? Yeah. So then we work with their supplier and help them to kind of grow this payment on from 60 okay. to 90 days. As okay. Well. So I get why that uh, helps your sort of sell into those companies. It's good for both sides. Absolutely. But let me kind of phrase it in a different way. Um if someone, if your backers fund and the recent round, what are the types of questions they're asking about, okay, you're going to do this region mm-hmm. and you're going to invest X percentage of this capital into this region? Sure. Do, they, do they think it's more risky? Uh, I think uh, they think it's worth it. That's, a, yeah. that's the reason they're <laughs> investing it, right? Yeah. So, I mean, as I said, we are growing organically and inorganically. So what I mean is, as I said, acquired Prima Dollar Business Globally, uh, when in fact, when UAE was uh, started about a year back, I already see Pakistan started after that, Bangladesh started, Hong Kong. In fact, very recently we started US market as well. Yeah. So growing at a very fast pace, uh, I believe they really 
trust and believe in this industry and market what modify is doing that's the reason you know so they have been yeah. really kind to keep investing in modify as well interesting what would accelerate the growth more in this region do you think you know if it's a series a do you think at some point a financial institution might come on board as well uh, uh yep so we keep looking at more financial institutions as well so yep so lots of things are happening good things are happening okay yeah. which you don't want to share right yeah. now <laughs> Maybe, yeah. yeah no problem yeah. um yeah so cool so um you know what what are the other things on the roadmap for modifying this region what are your plans sure so growing as i said very very fast paced so very recently started us so the idea is to kind of keep looking at different markets exporting keep from at, here to the us absolutely yeah. exporting from here to us or in fact, we already got a handful of clients into bunkering industry in the UAE market, or even clients exporting from Bangladesh to even US, Bangladesh to UK, but invoicing are being raised from UAE entity, mm. which is a transit hub, right? Yeah. So so what it means is UK customer gives an order to UAE company, UAE company source from Bangladesh or Pakistan or China or Hong Kong and export directly to UK or US. Yeah. So we see huge uh, business opportunity on that front as well. They, they might put it through a free zone here and then... It, so may or may not. So the goods go, go directly direct. from uh, re-export from there directly. Okay, yeah. interesting. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, on Dubai Works, we've had different types of companies. Mm-hmm. And a theme that comes up is, is the UAE as that type of an export hub, but also even in some ways as a manufacturer type hub it does, as well. Yeah, yeah. So that that kind of plays to your, your strategy. Absolutely, it does. Yeah. yeah. Lots of free exports happens from here. Lots of logistics hub as well, right? So it works really, really well for us. Yeah. yeah. Even surprisingly so, like, you know, houses are being manufactured here uh, and uh, exported to the UK and things Correct. like that. Absolutely. The yeah. Amazing things like that. Um, so, uh, okay, so that's markets. And then, you know, how, what size is the team here? Uh, so we are relatively new, as I said. Uh, we are about five people here, uh, but yeah. growing at a very fast pace again. And how would you decide which sectors to go after? Which, yeah, I know you mentioned the sectors earlier, but how do you kind of allocate your resources? So it really depends on where the need is, right? So it's we have this platform, right, which is one full working so lots of time buyers approach us suppliers approach us we have a very well established marketing engine yeah. so that keeps very well oiled machine so that also keep churning lots of leads for us yeah so i mean we usually don't need to go and look for these all over the place so it's usually you know we keep getting lots of deal on the to the table and that we really spend time and effort to figure out which what deals and opportunities make sense for us yeah interesting it's that's the best part of sort of B2B knowing now that you can actually generate a lot of inbound just Absolutely. by having a, yeah. a good digital. Absolutely. Yeah, it's yeah. interesting. Makes, makes uh, changes things really with resources. Um, so Ankit, moving on to, I, I know you work in different uh, countries outside of say the Middle East, mm-hmm. but what's your view on, on the Middle East in terms of uh, a global globe market or an emerging market? Uh, you know, obviously the UAE is, is doing well, uh, but where are the other countries that you think that can be uh, opportunities? Oh yeah, so Middle East is one of the very important hub for global markets. So, so Saudi is another very important market for within the Middle East. Uh, uh, so I think that's one of the key market for us as well. Yeah. So in the future, we will be looking at expanding there as well potentially. Yeah, so that's another key market. It's a huge economy there, right? Yeah. yeah. And how would you approach that? Would you would you need to have an operation? Would you treat it like another uh, branch? So potentially a branch or maybe looking at uh, some, maybe end of the day, some acquisition, maybe eventually, I don't know. So it will really unfold over a period of time. So maybe acquisition, maybe having a branch there or maybe a strong partner, their local partner there. 
along yeah. those lines. Yeah, interesting. Um, fair enough. And so what are the sort of uh, fintech trends, irrespective of, of Modify, what, uh, looking at the overall sort of themes and trends? I kind of mentioned a couple, but what, what do you uh, envisage? We're, we're nearly doing our predictions for 2022 now. If there were a few things that you would predict in fintech, what would they be? Sure, I think it's going to be disruptive as always. So, so there will be a lot more to, uh, changing happening, lots of new things coming up, lots of AI happening. So hopefully with the, all of these, it will really make life easier. Uh, given pandemic, again, lots of issues, yeah. lots of disruption for global trade especially. So I think with all of these new products, it's going to help uh, pretty much everyone around the process. How can uh, AI uh, help with uh, fintech in which ways? Sure. So again, uh, we are trying to implement lots of AI product within our system and within our uh, platform, which will help keep lots of information to exporters or channel partners that we currently work with. So we are also trying to connect them between different sellers with different buyers. So lots of products around that, mm. which helps them to expand the business and grow grow globally. Yeah, interesting. Um, and what, what are the things uh, in terms of going back to kind of pr- predictions, you know, in terms of uh, governance and, and cybersecurity and things like that? Like what are the things that um, a company should have on their roadmap for next year? From modify perspective? Or, uh, just in general. Okay, in yeah. general, yeah. So I think uh, so the key right now is to survival. I think that's the key, right? So uh, most of the players would be looking at how to survive and grow the market and make sure, you know, keep uh, gro- managing that risk as well, right? Rather than working more on the governance at this stage. I think mm. so that would be the key for the, the coming year yeah. from my point of view. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. And and would you, you know, uh, would you support the theory that this could be a sort of a, uh, a growth decade? Like, are we sort of bouncing out of, you know, the roaring 20s sort of analogy. Are we bouncing out of COVID and then it'll take a year or so to settle down and then we'll have, you know, really high GDPs around this region? Yeah, so I, I was talking to one of the uh, retailers out here, one of the very, very large retailers. So as for them, the numbers uh, they, they currently make are even much higher than what they were doing before COVID. Yeah. So apparently the market really, really bounced back in this part of the world and we see busy roads everywhere, right? Expo also got lots of, positive momentum for the region, Yeah, lots of events happening around uh, UAE region and Middle East uh, region in general. So I see lots of good things happening for the region okay. here. Very positive outlook. Uh, we can't finish really without talking about crypto and blockchain <laughs> um, because, you know, that in one sense, crypto has promised to replace sort of fiat currencies and different types of finance. Yeah. Uh, what's your personal view of crypto and, and then how do you view it for Modify? Uh, so it's really, I mean, from my point of view, I don't really understand crypto too well at this point of time. I, re- I wish I did better than what I do understand right now. But yeah, I, it's a space to be in, I believe, right? So look at Bitcoin, it's, it's 63, 64,000 right now. Hmm. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's a space to be in for next few years as well. Yeah. Will you yeah. be financing crypto payments? Well, Will you be factoring crypto payments? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, maybe yes maybe. in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Why not? Why yeah, not? Why not? Yeah. <laughs> if people are paying in whatever currency, you'll be there. Absolutely. Yeah. It's modern finance. Yeah. Modern finance. Yeah. Okay. Well, really pleasure talking to you. We'll definitely keep an eye on uh, Modify as they continue to grow because it seems like it's on the right trajectory. Thank you so much, Richard. I also enjoyed conversation with you. Thanks, Thank Ankit. You so Take much. care. Thank, Thank you. you. So I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Ankit. He clearly knows the topic and the industry really, really well. I tried to keep pace with him. <laughs> Some of that went over my head. Uh, but hopefully people in the procurement and finance department or someone who wants to know a little bit more around that because it's a really useful space around uh, you know, cash flow for businesses. Uh, 
thank you to Shahir and Ali who produced this show. And we'll have a, an interview again at the same time next week, 11 a.m. on Thursdays. And that means it will go on to the podcast, wherever you're listening to on Thursday afternoon. Please do subscribe, leave a review. Um, and even on some of the podcast apps, you can record an audio message uh, to leave a question or a suggestion to who uh, you would like on this show. Um, and then also Smashy, of course, is available on iOS and Android. It's coming to smart TVs very soon. Uh, you can go on and you can get a seven-day free trial to have a watch at over 8,000 videos um, and all the different 141 uh, Dubai Works episodes. Enjoy the week. See you next week.